0: Welcome to Spirit Wisdom with Robin Pelche, an occult experience that dives into all things metaphysical, mysterious, and taboo. Today, I have the notorious Frank White, the OG of sorcery, with me talking about grounded spirituality and Kind of the path of the sorcerer. What, what needs to come into play for spells, rituals, manifestations to um, have a life of their own? What do we need to do to get ourselves in alignment with the energies that we're seeking to manifest? It's a big topic, so Frank and I like to free flow our conversations and we just let them go wherever they need to. And I think that's the, the beauty of the dynamic that we have going on. There really is no topic that we won't go into. So just stay tuned and listen. And uh, you'll walk away feeling a little more inspired. Maybe you'll question more things. Maybe you're going to go out and, and make yourself a ritual crown for your next evocation. <laughs> Who knows? Actually, on that topic, I did just add a new disclaimer to every episode, so by tuning in, you acknowledge that you're over 18, you are of a sane mind, and Frank and I are not responsible for anything that you do after listening to this podcast, and we are in no way associated with your behaviors or actions. So... By listening, you consent to the disclaimer. I think that's really important because um, a lot of people can take this kind of information and if you haven't really put in the work to lay the foundations in your life, you can get bit slapped by your own magic, your own energy. Proceed with caution, honestly. And if you want to learn more, Frank and I both have services that Can be purchased uh, to train with us. So, all of that will be in the show notes. And um, yeah, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the conversation.
1: Incense has a certain role in a ritual, but you can also use incense um, in order to create a certain atmosphere or to get rid of spirits. So, the bottom line is this almost every spirit has a correspondence. Um, with a planetary energy you have to imagine it like this when you when you invite the spirit into your home when you when you manifest it when you evoke it you you're bringing a spirit from a certain atmosphere into your home now how do you invite the spirit in faster and how do you make it more easy for the spirit to manifest you make the energy and the atmosphere in your home match the energy and the atmosphere of the spirit and everything is as above so below you see so certain things in nature that you will find there represent the same vibration that the planetary energy of, let's say, Jupiter represents. So by using a certain smell, which is nothing but a certain frequency, you can attune the atmosphere of the room to the energy of the spirit. And it makes it easier for it to, to, to manifest. You know, It's like, imagine this. I mean, let's say you, you, you evoke a spirit from the Mars sphere, right? Mhm. Mars has a different atmosphere than Earth, no? Yep. And uh, it would be wise to, to adjust it. Or let's say we go to Mars. It, it, you know, we have to have a container that allows us to exist in that atmosphere without dying. So that's what incense does. It makes it easier for the spirit to manifest somewhere. And um, other functions are... You could cleanse a room as well. Off of you can cleanse the room from any spiritual influences that you don't want to have there. And uh, that's basically uh, it for the most part. That's what instances is used for the most part.
0: Yeah. What would be your favorite like um, tools for ceremony? When working with spirits.
1: Um, my favorite one is probably the dagger. However. It depends on what ritual you're doing, because there will be rituals that will necessitate certain certain tools. I mean, if you do a traditional um, goetic invocation, you need uh, a sword, you need a crown, you need a a wand, you need um you know some go as far as getting belts out of uh, out of lion skin, you know. And truth be told, the more of those tools you use the easier and the better the evocations are actually going to be.
0: So why is that? Is it just the level of energy and attention that goes into it?
1: It has to do with morphogenetic fields. Are you familiar with morphogenetic fields? No. Okay. So a morphogenetic field, first of all, that was first proposed by Rupert Sheldrake in the in the 1970s as far as I remember. So in the 1970s Rupert Sheldrake was a biologist. That was trying to explain embryonics. Okay, so embryonics means the following thing. When you have the development of a, of a, of a, of a human body, of an embryo, <clears throat> one cell turns into many, many other cells, right? And every cell specializes to a point where it is unrecognizable that they used to be the same. Okay, so let's say a skin cell is the same as a, as a hair cell. I mean, they have the same genetic code, right? But they're expressed differently. So he, based on most likely a hermetic understanding, came up with this idea of morphogenetic fields, basically information fields that overlap physical reality. And the blueprint of the baby, or the the, the finished baby is already existing when there's only a cell. Based on the information that that cell is, 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 is reading and interpreting, it proliferates and eventually an embryo is created, okay? So the same analogy can be applied to everything else. Now, do we know if morphogenetic fields exist? No, but we can, we can see cause and effect. And this is a, a very good model that we have right now. Who knows if it actually works like this, but it is a great tool to explain what's actually going on. Now, a lot of people will tell you that those are chemical gradients. No, those are not chemical gradients because we're talking about a three-dimensional Structure here, it's very, very hard, extremely hard to use chemical gradients to redistribute those things. Plus, the the chemical gradients are uh, basically a result of the information of the morphogenetic field. This is also something that leads into radionics, if you ever heard of that. Radionics is essentially energy healing at a distance, where any structure has an energy field around it that can be affected through radionics through subtle energy. So, the bottom line is this there's an information and information part attached to the physical part. Information and energy are one and the same thing. Yeah. Um, Let me give you an example. A photon has a certain amount of energy in it though. And a photon is essentially a particle of light, all right? So a photon, when it's measured, Let's say a photon is sent towards a surface that measures uh, the speed of the photon, okay? Boom. Now, the photon hits that area, and now you have information, boom, okay? So information and energy, to a large extent, are interchangeable. Wherever there's information, there will be energy present. Whenever there's, um, or rather, in, uh, sorry, energy will always generate information if that makes sense, okay? So whenever we have physical matter, there must be a field of energy around it because matter is just condensed energy and on top of that you have information. when you when you change the information, the energy field is changed and based on that a different physical expression is going to come up So back to your question well um, why um the more you stick to traditional rituals the better they work um, here's the explanation okay when you do something for a very long time and when many many people do it they create invisible information fields there are like lanes of energy that you can tap into okay so if a certain spirit has been has been called in a specific way for a very long time this is kind of like a big funnel now in the invisible world. So if you stick to the exact steps, one, two, three, four, five, the same way everybody has been doing it before, you have like this deep energetic pathway that makes it very, very easy for the spirit to come here. Okay. So the more closer, the, the more closer you get to the original way of doing it, the better the manifestation of the spirit, and the easier it's gonna get.
0: Okay, that makes sense. What's the purpose of a crown?
1: <clears throat> What's the purpose of a crown? The crown is um, specifically in all of uh, Goetic magic is filed under Solomonic magic. Solomon, King Solomon is this this, you know, I would say it's a historical figure, but in any way, in any case, it's a it's a, it's a mythological figure, the wisest magician that has ever lived. He was also the one who captured the 72 spirits of the Goetia. And he was the first one to make make them his servants. And the crown essentially tells the spirits that
0: you're now a representative of of King Solomon. Okay. And like, where would people like get a crown? Like with that kind of stuff, like, like where would you find this stuff? Because like, even you're saying like a a lion skin belt, that's so niche.
1: That is the, that is the point, you see. Um, Effort equals uh, energy, right? So the more effort you put into creating those things, and sometimes you're going to have to self-create them. I mean, we've gotten really used to just buying things. You know, go on Amazon and order this, that, and the other. That is convenience, but there's not a lot of value in that. It's much more valuable if you self-create those things, you see? And that's really what it is about. Just, yeah,
0: bringing in that, like, creativity, putting in... That, that love, sort of like when someone like bakes a pie with love, like you imbue it with your energy. Right. Yeah. Well, that's really nice. And then you appreciated that much more because you put so much more into it. You mentioned something really interesting about like runes to me because I was like, oh, I really want to get some runes. And I was just going to like order some. But the idea of like going out and getting my own rocks and forming that connection with like that sacred tool spoke to me so much more when you mentioned that I was like I never thought to do that like how simple is it to just go out and and find what you need in unique ways.
1: Well the magician doesn't doesn't necessarily find his tools he let the tools come to himself or herself. So what you do is you you put out the intention into the universe and then as you go through the world certain objects are going to speak to you. You need mm. me up to, to me blah blah blah. That's interesting. I could literally just also like you pick up the personality of that thing. So the whole universe is, 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 has anima, which is spirit connected to it. Right. So you're sending out that call. I want to do this in that ritual. And then you go through the world. The universe is going to bring you those things that are necessary to, to fulfill the purpose of the ritual.
0: Yeah. I had a cute experience with that recently. I was meditating and I had this image of a scarab beetle come into my mind. I'm like, why am I seeing this? And it didn't, you know, it, it just kind of like went by. And later that day I felt called to go to an occult shop and I'm looking at daggers because that's the only reason I, the only thing that I thought I might need. And there was a scarab beetle on one and mm. like, it just, it spoke to me so much. I'm like, I have to have that. And then, yeah, that's when I bought my first dagger.
1: would be a scarab beers. Pardon? Oh, oh, sorry, no, no, you, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, there's just like, it's it was an Egyptian one. It has It's like an Isis one. So she's kind of like on the handle, but there's a big scarab beetle. Um, it was in the same position that I saw in my meditation. So it's like, that is for me. What do you think about tarot cards? A lot of people have like beliefs that they have to be like gifted to you. What do you think about that?
1: I mean, if they're gifted to you, I'm not a big fan of that. I never have had tarot cards gifted to me. And I wouldn't use them if, I, if, if, I, if they had been gifted to me. You know, there's this, um, there's this thing, the, the, the occult implements and instruments that you use, they, develop, they become an extension of your will to the point where they will start acting without your conscious attention, if that makes sense. So they, they, they are imbued with your will. I mean, there's this one uh, experience where I had a dagger and a guy that I was working with, we would meet every weekend. That was when I was living in Munich. And we would meet every weekend on Sundays and do rituals together, right? And he stole one of my daggers.
0: Hmm.
1: I was pissed. But I, would, I, would have, I, would have, I did not expect him to, to steal it, right? So yeah. I didn't entertain that thought. Uh, a month later, he comes back and brings me that dagger. Man, I gotta, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, bro, what, what happened? And then he tells me. That it almost it developed its own life. The dagger, basically, whenever he tried to use it, he would unintentionally cut himself. He would hurt himself with it, and then it would never do what he wanted. Something would go wrong. Something would would not go as planned. And he's like, man, I was even um, in my sleep and whatever. I I was seeing the dagger and 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 being stabbed and all these things. So I'm bringing it back to you to to get peace. So. These things become an extension of you. They become an extension of your magical will. And the same applies to your tarot cards. The same applies to your to your scrying mirror. The same applies to everything else. So um, I would not use other people's magical implements. That's like wearing somebody's used underwear to me. I don't know I wouldn't do that <laughs> <clears throat> so.
0: yeah, no, that's that's well said. and thank you for sharing that. I was gifted one set of tarot cards, and I never used them for that reason. I'm like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> i'm much happier going out and just buying what i want new
1: yeah.
0: it feels fresher that way so i like how you uh put that with those scrying mirrors like if somebody wanted to start doing that like is it best with like a handheld mirror what's the difference like are there different kinds like what's what's the difference between like a regular mirror or like a black scrying mirror
1: the black scrying mirror <clears throat> is not going to be just dis- is not going to be distracting you with with uh, your image. Oh. And it is easier to remember we're, we're always seeing things with our, with our spiritual vision, the less distraction you have with your physical vision, the easier it is to, to become aware of the spiritual vision. So if it's a, it's a, if it's a neutral background it, it's much easier. And then black, I mean, black is the easiest when it comes to that. It's, it's, uh, it's the easiest projection surface.
0: That's interesting. Um, On the topic of like things be a lot or being like alive or like with your energy, what are your thoughts on like altars then? Like how, how should somebody like keep an altar? What, what kind of things would you like put on an altar?
1: An altar once again, it's an extension of your magical universe. Not everybody has the same magical universe. That's often misunderstood as a magician develops. They develop their own atmosphere. Essentially. My temple Isn't like I, wherever I go, wherever I move, I have one room that is purely a magical temple. I don't do anything else in there. And it is every corner of the room has different purposes. And in the center, there's an evocation space. So, around the there there are lots of shelves, there are lots of things, lots of implements there. But the bottom line is, I have strong relationships with a certain amount of spirits, and I work with one of those spirits on a, a one day of the week my altars my altars i don't just have one altar i have many altars also i'm a palero so i have my my pots there too i'm a voodoo priest yes they're all an extension of you you see as a magician as a as a, as a witch you structure your spiritual universe and the physical your temple it's kind of like a reflection of that you see now we also have astral temples of course but once again my astral temple is reflected in my physical temple so all of these universes have to be like. Um, Synchronized. Okay. So when I'm when I'm when I'm going to my magical attack altar, protection and, and war magic uh, altar. I'm sitting there, I'm connecting to the spirit that is my teacher in that realm. And automatically I just I just touch it and poof, my my I'm completely gone and I'm in my in my astral temple as well. So the astral, the physical, and the 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 you know the astral, the physical and the mental and all that stuff they have to be harmonized. So what I'm saying is essentially an object cannot just be an object. If it's part of your magical altar, it is it is not a mundane object anymore. It is a gateway into another world.
0: Okay. Well, so you're mentioning astral temples. So for anybody that doesn't know, what what is an astral temple?
1: Structures that are <clears throat> that are imagined with sufficient amount of energy become real on the other side to the point where other people can travel there if they're clairvoyant and see the exact same thing. And you can have basically, uh, you, can, you can meet there and share uh, experiences in another realm. Astral temple is essentially your headquarters on the other side. Every magician should have one. And it's created over time. You create it yourself through your imagination. That's where you go. And you can do literally any type of ritual in that astral temple. The bottom line is it is your, yeah, it is your headquarters on the other side. This is also where you're going to stay when you die. This is where your spirit
0: resides. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, so for my, look, I, my, my astral temple, I have like, for all aspects of my magic, I have different rooms, I have different places. It's very elaborate. It's like, it's, it's like, a, like a massive, massive castle. You can, you can take the spirit of other people into that astral temple and do things to them and with them and, and for them but they, they don't know it consciously here, but their subconscious mind is being taken away and you can basically do whatever you want with there, over there. You can do whatever you want with them, you know? I have one room where I just like, if somebody messes with me, I just take their astral body, take it into my astral temple and it's kind of like a, like a mafia boss has like a, like a basement, <laughs> you know, yeah. where, they, where, they break people's, uh, where they break people's legs. I have something like that too. So you can imagine negotiating with me is no fun. It's... Um, I just take if, if, if the person doesn't, <laughs> doesn't like not all the time, but if, if somebody really messes with me, I just take them there. Boom. And, and they comply really fast. You know, they become really de- different in the, in the physical, their demeanor changes. They become really like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. But that's what a magician does. You know, you got to take complete charge of the physical world. That's what we do.
0: Wow. I need one of those rooms.
1: <laughs> I think everybody, every, everyone who's a magician or, or uh, which or who is involved with this stuff. Absolutely, you need an astral temple. The problem with Robin is most people are amateurs in every field, everywhere mm-hmm. you go, you find amateurs.
0: Yeah. So if you go there um, after you exit this life, well, what about the people that don't have an astral temple built?
1: They have no way of resisting the, 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 the energy dynamics that are gonna be pulling them into certain experiences. I've went in, I've gone into that before and eventually they're going to reincarnate.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So much to learn about this astral temple. Hmm. I think I've already kind of I think I have one, which is interesting. Anytime I do like a ritual, I have a castle I go to. It's just like my space and I have a like a, a it's like a pit of fire where I like I I you know when I'm ready to let something go, I go to the fire. And that's where I I let things come anew and I have different contracts on the walls and stuff. I didn't realize that that's what I had. I'm going to visit you. You're going to have to come and see it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to build some more rooms though. I've got it's It's kind of basic right now, but yeah, I definitely have my astral castle. So Robin's temple, I'm going to have to create an elaborate name for it. I'm going to put a little tea shop in it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're also creating an, uh, an astral temple for the school of adepts so everybody who's signed up for that is going to be part of a of a group astral temple that we're creating together uh where we're gonna meet on the other side on a, on a, not know whoever wants to meet there they can they can just show up and maybe you could do rituals over there you know together that's always powerful
0: well, that's incredible yeah anything with like a group intent really magnifies well I'm really excited to to hang out with you <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: that's what you're saying. I mean the other day I had my order soldiers uh, basically all individually put a curse on the same person. I would not want to be that person. I'm telling you. That is fucking ugh. But You know I I'm, I'm not I'm not doing that for fun obviously, but yeah, it's if if 20 something people all call up a demon to put a curse on you. Like what well, what chances do you have? It's kind of fucked up, you know? It's like you're just done. You're done so
0: yeah it's really intense and people are like ah but at the same time people have no problem with taking somebody to court or binding them to like this court order or that thing like it it's interesting you know how
1: yeah you know this this moral justification is it as good as a bad well before you come to me with like moral problems about putting a curse on someone stop eating mcdonald's uh, chicken mcnuggets and 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 and, and eating meat or whatever okay it's all bullshit it's all bullshit you know people moralize because they're afraid of something that's what it is you know that's a tactic of people that are weak to weaken the strong they they call you on morals basically why aren't you more moralistic it's that's that's all horseshit it's all horseshit especially spiritually you know like what are you going to do lock me up for putting a curse on someone what are you going to do
0: yeah well nature doesn't have morals
1: Nature has definitely a a rule set, but no morals. Yeah, you're right. It's not moralistic. It's not. It's all. I mean, it is what it is. You know.
0: Yeah, that's. I think it's the weirdest part about going deeper into the occult is that realization. Like I still sit with it every day and kind of just like I feel it out and, you know, I always come to the same conclusion. But it's just it's, it's a rude awakening from yeah ethical hypocrisy. And it's, it's very freeing, but it takes some time to get used to, for sure. But it's so powerful and it's so liberating, what you were saying. It's like we live in a predator-prey world. And, um, yeah, I don't want to be preyed on anymore or be food for entities or any of that.
1: Yeah, and you will be prey until you develop the strength to not be a prey anymore. Yeah, that's just what it is. Yeah. It literally is what it is. And usually, people who, like people like you, for instance, who, uh, who are naturally psychic or have, have natural gifts, but never intentionally were trained to use them, they, they, be, they, they will be victimized in some way or another. They attract that type of energy. And it's usually because spirits see that. You know, spirits, spirits act through people to victimize you and, and they use circumstances to victimize you. So I already know by default, the person like you did not have, a, have an easy life. I know that. And so that's a common theme, you know, so it's basically a calling to like, you're, you're going to be victimized until you step into your power. Yeah. Being bitch slapped into your, into your, into your destiny.
0: Yeah. And I think it's almost like presented to us as like, when you, you kind of almost like need to go through that hard time to become a good healer. And I kind of think that's true. Like, I think, I think from the perspective or from the the pain and the experiences I had, I've now gained the gift of perspective from being in so many areas of like being disempowered. I want like freedom and wealth and power because I have been powerless. I've been broke. I've been you know a victim to myself and and to circumstance. Like you have that like thirst because you have been you know just starved and and I think that's powerful I wouldn't change anything that I've experienced thus far because it's going to make me like that's going to be what turns me into a warrior so even though it's like I had all these things I still feel like it was all for my benefit I understand yeah but I, I yeah a lot of people don't feel that way and yeah, it would definitely deter them from having that vision. I, I feel like my abilities really turn on when I connected to a higher purpose. You know, that's that's when opportunities came for me to really learn who I was and what I was capable, because it was it was combined with this higher vision. Like with psychic development, a lot of people try to like, you know, sitting in meditation, yes, it's really important. But I feel even more important is like being in service when you like put yourself in that position to be like, please, you know, I want, I want to be of service. I want to be able to like tell this person, not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And when you have that intention, like I were, I don't worry about anything. Cause I know that I'm going to receive what's needed. And I felt like that's really what made it more powerful for me. And that's, yeah. <clears throat> a really great way to to kind of heighten your own senses is to raise the bar for, yeah. Why, like, why do you want it?
1: Yeah, I, I think you got a good point there. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely something about being of service. I think the only way to be really, uh, what's the word? We're, we're part of the world, right? We're not... Um, islands and i don't think we can we can we can feel good truly feel good unless we we know that the world benefits from our existence in some way or another you know that's that's some people think that happiness is this happiness is that happiness is money happiness is any none of these things are happiness and also you're not going to find happiness in another person necessarily but what you what you what the, the closest thing to happiness i believe is uh, you can um, be of value to other people. You know, if there's there's something to that, like if you share what you know and what you can do and your skills and other people truly are helped by that and then they're grateful for it, that's one of the best feelings ever, you know. There's, there's nothing that comes close to it, you know. And did you know that one of the best ways to to, um, to battle Depression is oxytocin, a release of oxytocin, you know, and oxytocin comes from, among other things, from doing things or helping other people, uh, you know, um, achieve something. That is how you trigger oxytocin. So by helping other people and taking care of other people, you are helping yourself in a lot of ways, your own psychology. So if you want to get out of depression, how do you step out of depression? Anyone who feels bad here, help somebody else, and that's going to kick you right out of it, I guarantee it.
0: It's so true. It was actually like that process of like when I was learning my abilities, I did free readings. When I would get like a review back and somebody said how I helped them, that helped me get out of bed each day. That was my motivator. That like gave me a feeling of like wow, like there's so much I can do and offer. That was yeah. that was such a great experience. I think like having pure intent is pure power. You know, it's like that that's there's like a self Less part of, of this journey, like I've dedicated myself to my path, like fully. Yeah,
1: I mean, selfless, maybe to, to somebody who thinks they're a physical body. We're not a physical body, we're everything is one energetic system, everything is one better. If I help you, Robin, if I do something for you, I'm doing it for myself because at the end of the day, we're connected in some way or another. And the same applies to everybody else, you know, we're interconnected, and there's a fine, I mean, we got to find a balance between. Uh, between ego and we need it in order to survive as well, but also we have to understand that we're also living for a higher self, a higher uh, purpose, a higher intelligence. If that makes sense, so it's a fine line. I try to I live for myself eighty percent and twenty percent for others. That's that's the ratio that works for me right now. Who knows when I'm like, and I'm at a certain phase of my life where where that makes sense because I still have to fulfill my potential and build myself up and all that stuff, right? But at one point, maybe it's going to flip completely, where I'm living 80% for other people and 20% for myself. When I'm like, I don't know, 80 years old or something like that, when when I've done my things and, and, you know, like you can see that a lot with with philanthropy. Who does philanthropy? The people that are (laughs) done with their stuff, you know, they're now in the phase of their lives where they want to give back. And I really think that's a natural progression of things. So right now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still in my prime. I'm only entering my prime. I, got a, I still got a good 20 years of, of full energy, prime productivity, and I'm still going to have to live for myself for the most part. But then who knows? Maybe I'm just going to do trainings for free, you know, magical trainings for free after I taught my, my kids to be uh, badass magicians or whatever. <laughs>
0: No, well, I completely agree with you, but it what I meant by that is like that that analogy of like, you know, if, if an airplane has turbulence, who's going to put the oxygen mask on first? Like, are you going to put it on your child or are you going to put it on you? Well, you you need to be your cup needs to be full first. You need to be able to give from like overflow and abundance. So I know for myself, like I'm I'm all about me right now because in return, the power that I wield from that is going to be what I use to like propel my path and and give back and help I'll have a greater influence but that means right now it's focused like I'm in my universe sure you know that's that's what I meant by it it's just like I didn't mean like selfless like we just have to give 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 but it's like kind of like you marry your path like I'm I'm dedicated to my vision and i will do whatever it takes because i know that's where like i'm going i know that it's going to have this massive ripple effect i'm going to create massive change in this world and i'm i'm going to give my life to that path and do what i have to do sort of like you discipline yourself you meditate you show up you're you're really like learning in so many different ways all of the time a lot of people don't want to give up football hockey you know these different things that, like they they wouldn't want it to like exchange um a hobby for their passion because that creates risk in, in a lot of ways
1: you know we all go through different developmental stages and that's not necessarily that one person is better than the other because somebody's at a different de- 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 developmental stage you know and that's yeah. a little different from maslow's hierarchy but i think maslow's hierarchy makes a lot of sense you know that you can only start thinking about your purpose when you when you when you're when you're, when you're beyond like the base needs of everything, you know, are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy? Yes. Sure you are right. yeah. so, so even though I sound super judgmental, I get that. Okay. I understand how I sound when I talk about people and, and how they're all the bitches and all that stuff. Okay. I'm, I know that I come across as very judgmental, which you know, I might be, but also try to make, I just try to make good points and and, 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 Communicate in a clear way. So at the end of the day, I understand that everybody is where they're at, and they're making the best decisions from the level of consciousness that they're at. And it's not necessarily better or worse, you know. I'm, I'm learning in 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 certain processes that I'm doing in my in my in my other life, in my business life. I'm learning a process from a 54 year old guy who's been in that business for uh, more than 30 years, and at the same time, I'm training a guy who's 21. So I'm kind of like in the middle. In the one situation, I'm the I'm the authority. I know fucking everything. I'm the man. I'm the boss, and I see the same nervousness in him that I sometimes feel in regards to that other guy. You see, and it's like because, like, when you're when you're when you're confronted with somebody who knows way more b- about something and is way better at it, and then like big tasks to you seem like a little joke to him. You know that um, that could trigger insecurity but it's good for you if you see that uh what's the word you got to see everything in in in, a, in relative terms you know at one point i'm going to be like that other guy a 54 year old guy and but, but the point is um we're all where we're at we're making the de- best decisions from the level of consciousness that we're at and it's not necessarily about judging people it's more about you know okay this is where the person's at they're doing their best with what they can me personally, from a, from a higher level, I look like a joke and I'm completely aware of that, but I'm making the best decisions from whatever place I'm at right now. You see now that might be surprising to, to, to hear from the bronze Dawn, right. The guy That seems to, to, to see himself as the, as, as the epitome of, of mastery in all areas of life. Right now, but I mean, confidence itself is a force that brings things into reality you see so i think i explained that before you should never self-depreciate self-deprecate or you should never put yourself down because what's the any thought that is that is in any way shape or form weakening you is going to have a negative effect around you okay so how do you stay balanced and grounded in reality with absolutely un. Wavering self-confidence, how do you make that happen? Well, you take on a growth mindset. You take on a growth mindset. Most people have a fixed mindset where they believe they've been born with all the skills and knowledge that they will ever acquire. And when they see somebody doing better than them, they now have two choices. Either they accept that they're inferior to the person or they t- try to take them down and bring them down in some way or another too because it's super painful to feel that like somebody else is doing better than you if you think that that's your limitation. Other people have a growth mindset, and they get interested when they when they see somebody doing better, when they when they observe somebody being really good at something that they want to master. They feel deep down, potentially, that they could get at that level, and they they move themselves through this um, temporary discomfort of not being good at what they're doing. To, in order to to realize their potential, and as long as you're driven by this by this feeling of. I will be the man, I will be the woman, I will be the fucking whatever. As long as you have the growth mindset, it's not a problem if somebody else is temporarily better at something you're happy. Fuck, yeah, this is what I've been looking for. Thank you that you're teaching me that, you know, and that's really what you need. So I think that's what it is. I mean, the self-confidence that you need, in my opinion, genuine self-confidence is not believing that you already know everything, but believing in your ability to figure things out in the moment and to... To, to step into the unknown, even though there's uncertainty there, you know that you're going to be fine. You're going to be safe because you trust your abilities to adapt.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think, uh, you know, we all need to hear that sometimes just everybody's just doing the best you can. And if you were to look at things from an eagle eyes or eagle eye view, like you don't know what incarnation that person's On what they're what they came in to do, what?
1: Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought with every single marriage that I broke up. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking, you know. Like I'm, I'm not breaking up a marriage. I'm the I'm God's test if their marriage is actually solid, and it turned out that it wasn't. The truth bringer. That's how I see. That's what I see my job to be. Like I I, that's my job that I have in society. I'm supposed to sleep with as many married women as possible, because that tests the strength of the marriage. And if she can't, if she can't resist it, that's fine. The marriage is stronger. But if she can't, if she can't, the guy doesn't deserve her, and the marriage was shit anyway. <laughs> so either way, I win. Either I save the marriage or I save her from from a loser.
0: <laughs> Bringing in the balance, can't you can't be too soft yet. <laughs> just bitch slap everybody (laughs) oh my god uh breaking up marriages well (laughs) you i think you did them a favor
1: Uh, look i mean i'm just i'm just a manifestation of of the force of temptation i'm the seducer you know, if you if you if you look at the Garden Eden, you know there was this the serpent, the serpent that was trying to Eve, you know, eat the apple, bite the apple, bite the apple. That's who. That's that's why I am.
0: But the snake kind of liberated them with truth. Yeah, and it was demonized it. for it.
1: And me, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I use my snake to. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm actually the good guy here. I'm the good guy. See.
0: Well, if you look at that story, though. Minus the, <laughs> uh, the the pants the trouser snake. Um, <laughs> we always go here.
1: <laughs> Serpent in the jeans.
0: Yeah. You, think my, ch- uh,
1: you think my channel is called Grail of the Serpent for no reason, Robin? <laughs> huh? I think I'm playing games, huh? Hmm.
0: Got it got it now i can't think
1: <laughs> this, this is this is male psychology 101 everything is about, about our penis everything literally every <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm no, no, I'm, I'm actually joking i'm joking in reality it's all about pussy oh! <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> But that's what freud would say no that's what freud would say
0: yeah you made some interesting points about freud yeah which is kind of weird. He was a weird guy, right?
1: Well, I'm definitely not an expert in Freud. Yeah. Studied him a little bit. And I would, from what I could see, I mean, he has, he's definitely said some very smart things. I mean, his, his, his idea about the subconscious and all that stuff is, is phenomenal, obviously. But I don't really like his ideas about, um, you know... A lot of aspects, Oedipus complex and all these things. I think he was a twisted man that was projecting that onto his patients, to be honest. So he, that just because you're you're a psychologist, you're not, you're not immune from uh, projecting things yourself, you see. So I think, you know, you know it's funny. I was, I remember this conversation that, that I had a long time ago with somebody. It was also about spirituality. And I asked him, okay, how do you, how, how are you sure that you don't project? He's like, I don't project anymore. I don't do that anymore. I don't project anymore. Right like and he said it with such confidence it's like my niece when she was five years old she was like really really um bossy and i was like oh you think you know everything?" He's like yeah with 100 percent conviction she looked me in the eyes like yes i know everything you know? <laughs> yes i know everything that was hilarious
0: <laughs> i love kids
1: and, and that's what that guy seemed like to me in that moment no i don't project anymore i don't pro- i don't do that anymore it's like uh, you know it's 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 subconscious by definition you don't know what's going on there right for the most part. So
0: you yeah. know yeah. all the new age people that's so low vibe.
1: <laughs> exactly yeah so Yeah. Uh
0: yeah. oh, well then what do you think of uh Carl Jung?
1: <laughs> I think Carl Jung um I think Carl Jung was an amazing uh occultist amazing occultist i learned a lot like i think he's my favorite psychologist specifically because he was working on depth psychology so much i like his concept of archetypes a lot and i think he was one of the first to be able to translate a lot of experiences and a lot of things that are happening in the spiritual universes in in clear terms in the mm-hmm. modern language because before that everything was like if you read literature about the stuff from, you know, never mind the Middle Ages, but um, even you know the nineteenth century, you know, if you if you if you listen to those guys, very very, very few of those guys are really really clear. Now, pre twenty pre nineteen twenties German stuff is often very very good. By the way, mm. you know, um, Germany was a was a hub for 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 that stuff. Late late nineteenth century was really really powerful in Germany when it comes to the you occultism. Know, but even those guys, they were not speaking very, very clearly. Blavatsky, it's okay, but it's also not that clear. I think Jung is is one of the clearest guys because he was he was. Uh, never mind Crawley. Don't get don't get me started on Crawley. I think Crawley is is uh, way overestimated or way over.
0: Mm. But I think I just wrote his name down because I was going to ask you.
1: <laughs> well, Crawley's, Crawley's genius was marketing. He was great, he was great at marketing himself, you know, um, but. In terms of his impact, of course he had massive impact on the occult, but most of his stuff was, he was a degenerate to a large extent, you know? I don't believe it's necessary for your ascent to fuck goats. I really don't believe
0: it. I missed that part. <laughs> or,
1: oh, oh, Robin, that's, it, that's not all. Trust me. It's definitely not all, you know? So it's complete degeneracy, actually. Oh, Wow. It's like I knew he was a
0: bit of a madman, but fucking goats.
1: <laughs> what? Well, to be more to be more clear, having a woman being fucked by a goat during a black mass—that's more—that's more like it. Yeah, and probably jerking off to it or whatever, you know, like think like that. I don't know. Like, and the problem with 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 Crawley is that he 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 uh, he attracts a lot of people that are like moral relativists. So what they're basically doing is they're trying to, pour, they're trying to use their the, this this spiritual practice as an excuse for weird lifestyles. I mean, there are a lot of people who, who justify pedophilia through uh, uh, black magic and other, other things, you know? Also, um, generally speaking, I mean, it is true that the way to Satan is degeneracy. That is definitely true. And sexual perversion is part of it. So decadence usually leads to perversion in one way or another, and sexual perversion always leads to satanic possession in one way or another. That is, that is definitely a strong connection. 100
0: yeah that kind of brings up a question then like what is satan to you because like what what's the difference between like demonic invocation and then the way you just worded um satan and satanic
1: yeah exactly that's 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 a big point right everybody everything is branded under satanism satanism is a very specific branch religion whatever where people worship satan satan is a is a force which is the inversion of everything that's good so hmm. it's very simple. It's basically like like childs, like children. Like everything that is good is bad. You know, but my mom told me good, it's good it's good, but it's not good. It's basically, yeah, uh, she told me not to take drugs, drugs are good. It's like retarded kids, you know. Uh, <laughs> you now they might they might be able to verbalize these things or explain these things in more elaborate terms, but that's really what what it boils down to. It's degeneracy that leads to um to essentially being possessed by forces that they can't control. And they end up in the abyss on the other side. And the abyss is like the end destination for them. Usually when you look at the tree of life, the abyss is supposed to be the last stage before pure enlightenment. Bullshit. What Where they end up is the abyss. Their soul is getting cannibalized and they're basically, they're, they're possessed and they're empty shells for, for forces that they can't control. That's, that's the bottom line when it comes to Satanism. Demonic evocation has, not, has nothing to do with that. Demonic invocation, usually done in the context of Solomonic magic, is a pure, it's a completely different science. It has to do with certain entities that are not human, and you call them to make shit happen for you. It's, you're not supposed to be, get possessed by them. You're not necessarily supposed to, to, to even listen to them. They're supposed to do the fucking job that you tell them to do. And they're like forces of nature, essentially. If you could control wind, if you can control the element of the air, if you could control water, electricity, you would use those forces to make something happen for you, you know? and that's essentially what that is. You're not there to 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 uh, to worship a demon. It's a tool, and you use evocation also for angelic work for angels. So, Solomonic magic is essentially the the, the the practice where you use non-human forces to make things happen in the world for you, and that's it. That's the end of it. It's not a religion. It's it's not a not, not even a spiritual practice. It's literally just a technology. You know? If you want a spiritual practice, practice meditation, do yoga and all of that stuff. But ceremonial magic is not necessarily spiritual. It's more about getting shit done. That's really what it is.
0: What is uh, spiritual to you? Like with that definition.
1: Attaining higher states of consciousness that lead to a form of enlightenment. Now, what does enlightenment mean? Enlightenment means a step-by-step realization of higher levels of consciousness, which is usually connected to understanding and a sense of harmony that that uh, that comes with it. A sense of of mission, purpose, and understanding. Essentially, I mean, enlightenment in my in my estimation would mean not necessarily bliss all the time, but it means that you understand your purpose and your your place in this world. Really, I mean, how do you how do you distinguish? intelligence from ignorance or stupidity. It is about understanding patterns or seeing patterns in, in, in what appears to be random for other people. That is literally the, the, the definition of, of fluid intelligence. You're able to understand a bigger context. You understand your place in the world and the mechanics of the, of the greater spiritual universe. That is what I would call enlightenment. And it's not necessarily being blissful. Now, there is definitely a certain level of peace and inner peace and harmony that comes with it. But I see that peace more like a warrior. The samurai, to me, were enlightened. And they were ready to die every single day. And that's how I see it. I actually, well, it's been a while since I've done that meditation. But sporadically, I go into this routine where in the morning I do this uh, this meditation where and this is a meditation that the Samurai would do. They would envision themselves being killed by all kinds of weapons. Uh, you know, how am I going to die today? Am I okay with dying today? They would bring that really, really clear to mind. Now people are going to be like, oh, aren't you manifesting it? No, no, no. You, you can also just think of a supernova. It's not going to, the sun is not going to explode. It's different. You Use your imagination to... Project into the future. What if I die today? Would I be okay? And then you structure your day based on that. Am I okay? I had a Mm. conversation with my mother today. Bringing that to mind, I'm not going to yell at her. Because I don't want to leave. I don't want to have my last conversation with her. Like that. And if you live your life like that, I think that's the best way to live your life. You know, like, what what if I died today? And with that in mind, you structure the day. And you treat everybody accordingly. And you do everything that you need to do accordingly. And that creates urgency, right? That creates urgency. And I think nobody would struggle with purpose anymore if you told them, hey, you have one year, one more year to live. They would know exactly what to do.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think people, like they really underestimate how much they already know what to do. I had a coach last year. And I remember being like, I don't know what to do. I have this and this and this. She's like, but if you did know what to do, what would you do? I'm like, but I don't. And she's like, but if you did know what to do, what would you do? And I was like, uh, well, I guess I would maybe get rid of this thing and then say no to this. And she's like, so do that. And she's like, until you, like, we're not meeting in or next week unless you do that. Like, I'll, I'll cancel our next session. So then I was held accountable for, like, what I knew I needed to do. And then after that, I was like, well, that's a powerful question. Yeah.
1: It is, it is exactly. And also what needs to be understood is that if you make a choice, you automatically, you cut the universe into one piece and the rest is no longer an option. That's also like, the the, you have, we have to handle our mental universe in some way or another. So what people usually do is they make a decision verbally, but they keep like five others in the picture. Mm. And then that creates inertia. That creates like, oh, should I do this? You know, and then nothing happens. So what you do is you make a decision. It means that everything else goes and you only focus on one thing. That's also very important.
0: Yeah, I agree. Sometimes just like, even if you don't know, just like do something, take a step. Like some of like the most beauty in my life came from just like taking the leap of faith and sometimes not even being clear, but I'm like, I just have to make a move. Just take it, take it one micro movement in that direction towards the thing I think I'm supposed to be doing. You'll find out if it, if it was the right one or not, but you're going to learn quicker about what is good for you. You're going to like get more in tune with your gut feelings through that process. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my failures have been like the best teaching moments and I'm, I'm so grateful that I believed in myself enough to do them. I wanted to ask you, cause you're talking about enlightenment and I wanted to know your thoughts on like Ascension because there's like, there's like courses you can buy right now on Ascension and everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people thinks, oh, well, if I just, you know, raise my consciousness enough in this lifetime, then I'm just going to like disappear off this planet, or I'm going to like vibrate into the next dimension. Um, It's really trending. It's really, really trending right now. And I just wanted to know your thoughts on that.
1: I don't really want to talk about that because it's, it's, it's just, um, it's not going to be of service to anyone. I mean, those who know who have a solid education in this topic, they will know others. They will just hear stories and it's not going to make any sense to them. You know, what's important for teaching is not just what you teach, it's also how you teach. And you got to also know what audience you're talking to. Like if you're on my afterlife seminar, where I teach you all the steps that are going to happen after death and everything, I'm going to take you into everything, the entire afterlife and you're not going to miss any, step in the whole process however if you don't have if you're not on there it, it's it's not going to serve you in any way shape or form it's like if you have an ant you're not going to drop a gold bar on the ant because the ant cannot handle the gold bar so if a person has not had a single experience with magic yet and you're telling them what's going to happen after death and like you it's it's you know what i mean it's not going to be it's not going to be registered what I mean, this is also what you're probably gonna realize a lot of if people hear about these things, they they develop amnesia, they repress it or suppress it automatically. They you tell them something and then it's it's gone because it's it can't be processed, if that makes sense. It can't it can't be processed in the in the current in their current understanding. So that's what's gonna happen, you know. That's also what a lot of people do with the spiritual experiences that they have. You know, spiritual experiences are actually quite common. But it's usually something that scares people and they suppress it. I'm, I'm sure 99% of the people that are listening to this have had some sort of a weird spiritual experience, you know, but it was creepy. Either they were like using Ouija boards or similar things and then uh, the, 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 the lights were doing crazy stuff and they, they never touched it again. And they suppress it. And that's what most people actually do. They have spiritual experiences. So the bottom line is it wouldn't help anyone. So service to no one if I start talking about that stuff right now.
0: Yeah. You know, I really appreciate that and how you worded it. I think it's really important to be like cognizant of the information you put out there and to know what's helpful. So I, I really appreciate that. I guess it's when, when you're ready for certain steps, like they, they will come to you, but you need to kind of like acclimate over time with like, you know, with like baby steps, sort of like I was having a conversation today about um, like drugs And a lot of people like using like ayahuasca and like a a, like just different types of like hallucinogenics to like rip themselves to like into like these really intense spiritual experiences. But like I myself, I don't do any of that. Um, because I the more that I just like go on this journey, I feel like that is like it's it's enough, but yeah, I don't know. I maybe maybe going into that would be interesting cuz I I don't know what are, what are your thoughts on like the there's so much like recreational use of like ayahuasca and mushrooms and and all of that right now and the way I view it is like I like I would never want to do that unless there was somebody who's like well versed in Uh, like spiritual warfare and can like kind of like be with me like in astral to like make sure that everything is like very very safe and there's like a high level of like intentionality around the experience so like I I wouldn't touch it I I probably just won't ever (laughs) in this lifetime (laughs) because I don't see the the need right now I could always change but yeah it's just people are using it it's very very popular people are just like traveling going for like oh hey dude I've done like this is my fifth ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, not, it's, it's nothing new. It's like LSD. I mean, what people want is they want to escape their own consciousness. You know, like, let's be honest. That's why people drink. That's why people take all these other things, you know, how do I put it? I am against those things. I, I believe in the following thing. I think your brain is the best pharmacy, pharmacy out there. And think about it. Any chemical that can have an effect on your consciousness must have receptors inside of your brain in order to, to have an effect in some way or another. So that means that you can naturally produce it. But if you're not producing it right now, it means that you haven't done what's necessary in order to generate that chemical. So there are all kinds of spiritual practices that you can do that prepare the system naturally to have those things going on. But you could do a lot of damage to yourself if you if you take those things and are not prepared for it. It's like the, the analogy of, if you're, if you're climbing up Mount Everest, you could do the following thing. You could start with training, physical training, to deal with the heights, to deal with the, with the lack of oxygen up there, with the temperature. And then you could train with, with a smaller mountain, right? And then a slightly higher mountain and so on and so forth. And over the course of two years, you're actually going to be able to climb up Mount Everest from top to bottom, oh, sorry, from, from uh, bottom to top. And you're going to do it on your own power, with your own force, and all that, right? You're going to be able to deal with the circumstances up there. The other option would be getting a jetpack without any training and shooting yourself up there. The only thing that you're going to experience is fear. I don't think there's anything beneficial that's going to come out of that. You're not going to be able to, to understand the territory that you're on, whereas when you go there step by step by step, you have time to check out everything that's going on there. You understand the entire context because you're going up the journey. You just take a drug or a jetpack. You're just going to be up there in no time. You're not going to. You're going to, not going to know how you got there. You've just been taken there. Uh, you can't deal with the temperature up there, the lack of oxygen. So it's not going to be a beneficial experience. It's it's literally, I believe, uh, more destructive than positive. Plus, you're opening up something uh, that you probably can't close anymore. You know, a lot of those people get spiritual influences that they're not aware of, and they're not in touch with reality anymore. They're not benefiting from the experience. So I always like if you want to change your consciousness and if you want to gain control over it, become a yogi. Practice yoga every day for for, for years. Yeah. And that's gonna that's gonna give you all kinds of spiritual experiences. And and the bliss that you see can the only bliss that we that we can experience comes from within. There is no bliss from the outside world. There is no happiness in the outside world. Never, ever. ever. Yeah, we can be happy about things happening. But who's generating the experience? Obviously you. Listen, if I want to be happy, you know what I do? I meditate. And I bliss out like crazy. Like Sometimes I cry because the energy is so intense and I love it. I don't need anything else. Nobody needs happiness. And happiness can't be found in the outside world. Happiness is your own internal chemistry working in the right way. We're naturally blissful, but we have to take charge and control over the mind. You know? and The outside world is never going to give you that.
0: Yeah. The autobiography of a yogi was a life-changing book for me. Yeah. Being able to see just like how, how much is possible that that book is so mystical. I really loved it. And um, yeah, your mind is like your, your greatest asset, your tool to unlock so many doors and just on the, the topic of like, you know, when you open yourself up with like alcohol or, or drugs or, or addictions and things like that, it kind of leads you into like energetic hygiene. And my thoughts are, you know, having a a strong mind is, is at the forefront of, of spiritual protection, um, how you manage your life day to day really makes a, a massive difference. But what are your thoughts on that? I didn't know if you you wanted to go into that a bit spiritual hygiene
1: yeah yeah i think um it's kind of sad that people brush their teeth every day but they never clear out the nervous system so i think the first step is always meditation meditation is going to take care of so many different uh, it, it's going to make it harder for spirits to influence you it's going to clear your mind it's going to balance out your emotions it's going to give you a bit better, better, bigger perspective on life um from where you're actually able to put p- things into context most of the things that we worry about are not that hard or not that important you know so it, it gives you a perspective where you can put things into context and besides that spiritual hygiene is, hygiene is very important i mean it's uh, it literally determines if you're if you're in control of your life or not steps that you could take is like i said meditation learn a banishing ritual uh, take cleansing baths once in a while you know those things if you just do those things you know banishing ritual meditation maybe some Reiki, you know. You're going to avoid 99% of all spiritual problems, for real. Because it's just an energy thing. It's an energy game.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned cleansing bath. And I wondered, like, what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, that that is gen- generally, yeah, obviously a bathtub. Um, and water <laughs> with a, yeah, with uh, water with sea salt in it. And maybe some ephoric oils as well.
0: Mm. What are your thoughts on like uh, Florida water, rose water? I purchased some rose water today. So I was really excited about that. And I saw at the shop, they had um, like Florida water uh, bars of soap, like infused into them.
1: I have no experience with the bars of soap. I'm imagining that the the smell is supposed to keep spirits away, which is true. There is like If you smell good, like the bronze dot, for instance, all the time, then um, yeah. It's true. I, I smell good. Anyways, uh you're not you you're your spirits are not gonna have an easy time of me attaching themselves to you, or they don't they, the spirits are really really sensitive to smell, you know. So if you keep if you keep smelling good, you know, then uh yeah, like the like the bronze dawn, like I said, that would be the absolute, absolute <laughs> level, right? Does then, it matter uh, if it's
0: like a synthetic? fragrance or like, a more like natural, like essential oils, blends. Does it matter?
1: What smells good to us usually does not smell good to negative entities.
0: Okay. And I guess that goes like with your house too. See, See? yes. Um, House protection, house clearing. So obviously, you know, incense for it to smell nice diffusers, essential oils. Keeping it clean, tidying up the clutter,
1: all of those things. Yes. Yeah. Now you can do Everything like to everything create to a crazy extent. To a create to a crazy extent. Obviously, at one point you're gonna have uh, diminishing returns, right? You don't have to. You don't have to go crazy and do like a crazy full house cleansing every single day. It's unnecessary, but maybe once a week.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Just keeping things tidy, respecting your space, is really what it is treating your house like it's a spirit yep yeah sometimes i talk to my house (laughs) thank it for protecting us and yeah i guess when you start like getting into the mindset that everything has a spirit it's uh can open up a lot of uh opportunities um what are your thoughts on sage
1: um yeah it's a good cleansing agent
0: yeah um, when it comes to like protecting your house, what are your thoughts on like some people have like doormats that say welcome on it? And I've heard uh, different things about that being like you know you could be inviting everything into your house by having a mat like that.
1: I don't know anything about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I'd heard I'd heard different things, so I wasn't sure. I, I might get one that says go away.
1: <laughs> it says drop all your standards when you come in here. No, just kidding. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I didn't know. I've heard different things like surrounding your house with like salt is like good protection as well. Some people do that. Maybe hang little talismans in the window.
1: The best thing that you could do when it comes to your house is like a feng shui. Feng shui uh, organization of the energies in there. Like before I moved into this apartment, I actually had my sister. She's a feng shui um, advisor. I had her uh, create a plan for, for for, for, for this apartment that I'm living in right now. And I structured it in that way. So feng shui is a real thing. You they see luck as a commodity. It's not something that just comes to you. Um you can it's something that you can actually generate and and produce by arranging the the house in a certain way. So you can attract good luck using feng shui. I'm only getting into feng shui. Just like astrology, astrology I have a lot more experience. But I'm definitely not a master at astrology, but feng shui is also something that I want to master. It's super powerful. If you guys are struggling with a business, uh use feng shui and you're going to fucking kill it for sure i promise that yeah you, you can like if you're struggling with let's say the, the the mundane stuff health issues good luck um uh business uh girlfriends uh, whatever you know you want to attract lovers feng shui is going to do the job you don't even need ritual magic for that you know yeah and, and feng shui is more than just a house it's like energy energy studies in general so you want to have a magnetic aura you can definitely get that
0: yeah, it's like a mass um like evo or invocation or ritual in a sense, like you've you're create you're making it all physical. Everything has a representation for what you want to invite in. I, I don't know much about Feng Shui or Feng Shui yet, but I heard like if you're looking to bring love into your life to put like the second uh, little um nightstand on your bed to because you're like manifesting the partner.
1: The blueprint must be filled up with energy. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. Yeah. Or even like today I bought a, a book for my future office. So I like that it's like just finding, finding ways to like live that energy today.
1: Um, That's interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fun. It's, I I always feel like, you know, magic and this kind of creativity just like makes my inner child like alive. I feel like at times, like it's like finger painting.
1: I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly how you feel.
0: Because yeah. like there
1: are days where I'm like really not can't focus on magic, and then I find like one or two one or two hours in the day where I can put my mind into that space again, and that's when I feel alive, you know. Because I really th- I really feel like most people live at like sixty percent of life force, you know. Mm-hmm. It's because that, like that part is not activated, you know. But but in reality, we're all magical beings. I think, you know, we're like we're connected. We're supposed to live connected to the land and and the universe in some way or another. I think that's really also what's missing you know uh, yeah you know magic magic is great that's why that's why i always tell guys that learn from me if you if you want to seduce a woman use magic for it because all women are missing that like most women their guys are not giving them that that's what, mm. what, what women are very very sensitive to that you know like if, if you can give a woman a tarot reading and it's accurate Like there was a post that I did like like some years ago in my Facebook group, right? There was this girl next to me where we're like French kissing and all that stuff. The post was 9 p.m. I don't believe you can see my destiny in the tarot cards. 9.45, let me swallow your magic. And (laughs) 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 that's Seriously. Or, you know, what's also like, guys, practice some yoga and get into a yoga studio. You're going to pick up chicks like crazy. They're just waiting for a guy like that. You know, they're all dreaming of the spiritual guy that just comes along and, and, and gives them that, you know,
0: Like not the tantra bros.
1: <laughs> OK, I don't know anything about that. And look, I, obviously, I've I'm, just I'm, been
0: warned I'm, about them.
1: <laughs> obviously, I'm generalizing here, but I've, I've experienced that that's that's, you know, for all the guys that are like, how do I how can I how can I seduce women? I think magic is one of the best ways to seduce women. you got to find your lane some of some of you guys are going to be like bad boys some of you guys are going to be like you're going to find your character you want to be like the the businessman type of guy whatever you got to find your archetype and then you use that to seduce women when they look at you they got to know what you do that's a very very important part of it because they're going to file you under if they're going to file you away under a certain category so you got to be very conscious about that you know I guess right now I'm going for the for the businessman that has like a secret dungeon in his in his basement for some BDSM play, and also is is secretly a black magician, um, who who calls up demons.
0: That's, That's not kinda, hot at all.
1: Uh, <laughs> That's not material for a for the hottest romance novel out there, or no. so, uh, romance slash, uh, you know, whatever uh, written porn movie, whatever. That's- <laughs>
0: I don't know. yeah the the new the new 50 shades mm-hmm. i don't know you could definitely there's a lot of books that could be written about that mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna think about that <laughs> um yeah creativity creativity uh today i was uh i have i went to like a really beautiful tea shop And it was just like filled with like gorgeous artwork. And there was like plants hanging everywhere. I just felt alive in there. It was so, so nice. And um, I'm there with a friend and I decided to, uh, we were just playing around. I I read there, like after they were done there, it was a coffee, they took coffee. I just read the pattern that was in the cup. I've never done it before, but you know, a beautiful moment happened because I was just like willing to play in it. And I'm like, wow, I guess I can do, Tea reading and I'm like wow I actually think I'm going to start purchasing you know special cups and things for my practice because it resonates more with me than using tarot cards like something inside of me just came alive just by playing around and I saw so much and I was like wow I don't know I, I was just completely inspired and then you know part of me starts like dreaming I'm like oh maybe I'll have a tea shop one day like handcrafted teas and Um, like fine artwork in there and this whole like experience where you walk in it's like a little soul infusion just for something for like you know I'm always dreaming I'm always like just inspired I like the idea of like possibility and never limiting myself but yeah I learned a new style of reading today just from like being like a kid and having fun I was like that's amazing just not taking life too seriously and just enjoying yourself and you never really know, like what what doors that that'll open for you, whether yeah. it be the the door to your new tea shop or to the dungeon. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: nice. what girl wants to go to a dungeon? Jeez, <laughs> every woman. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I have, have, have we even programmed that way is is that just more programming like the whole 50 shades of gray thing like like were we like made to think that was hot or is it really hot
1: that's that's actually a very good question i well mm, obviously there are always exceptions to the rule but the overwhelming majority of women that i've had experiences with now obviously there could also be the fact that opposites attract right but um Also, from other people, what I hear, like, I think the overwhelming majority, like, and that applies to like uh, anecdotal evidence, conversations that I've had, as well as actual clinical psychological papers. The overwhelming majority of women are um, submissive when it comes to their sexuality. What what does submissive mean? It means that they're um, that they want to be taken in some way or another. They want to. They like to. What's the word? How do I say that correctly? How do I say that in in a way where the message actually comes across? I think I mean from a you can explain it in many different terms but from a biological point of view women put up shields because they're the representation of nature and the best wins the woman over in one way or another you have to be dominant over her in in one way or another in order to get her the way to make a woman find you attractive is generally speaking demonstrating competence and and power in a field that she either aspires to be powerful in or generally considers powerful, okay? That can go from whatever, flexing your biceps and she's like, oh, wow, he's so strong, right? That could be attractive or you just demonstrate that, that your intellect is very powerful or you demonstrate, like in, in some way or another, right? And the best way to demonstrate is actually to destroy another man with that. That, would, that turns women on immensely, you know? If, if men are in competition with each other and the winner um that's what she's going to find attractive so why is that it's it's it has to do with with uh with selection natural selection obviously right and if a woman resists and can't resist that attraction because every woman initially is going to she's going to resist her attraction to to you and to whoever got most of the time but she just can't do it and that's like I think that's really what it is about. I, there's like this push-pull thing. I mean, you, you attract women through a push-pull thing. It, there, has to, there has to be a lot of ambiguity there. And um, I think the bottom line is this. Women live in this constant uh, battle within themselves of wanting to give themselves over, but at the same time, not knowing if it's the right guy. So even if they're in a relationship with you, they're going to be constantly asking themselves, is this really the best I can do? Is this really the right guy? Is there something better out there? So women live in this constant conflict within themselves. I would say the male experience is very much, um, what's the word? The male experience is very much more focused than the female experience. The female experience go, go, go shopping shoes with a woman. Right after she bought the pair of shoes, she's going to ask herself if she if she picked the right ones, and if she should go back and change them around. You know, um, so there's th- this constant ambiguity within within the female nature. That's because women are a representation of the feminine principle in the universe. Feminine principle of the universe is ambiguous. It's, it's very flexible. It's flowing. You can't grab it when you when you think you know it. You it's it's something else. You know and. Everybody who tries to understand a woman and ask them something, they will never give you a clear answer. They will be like, "Oh, maybe it's like this, maybe it's like that," and they will also give you different answers depending on what their mood is, depending on what day, what time of the day it is. Like, there's never going to be a clear answer because that's what the feminine nature is. That's the female, a feminine energy, the polarity in the universe. The masculine polarity is very straightforward and all that stuff. So, women deep down often don't know what they want. They want one thing, but at the same time they want this other thing. And what, they, what, what a lot of them cr- are craving at a spiritual level and at, a, at an energetic level is just certainty. That's what they want. Certainty and this is it. And that expresses itself in a physical level where they're being tied down, for instance. That's why it's so, it's so attractive to women to be tied down because now they don't have a choice. They just got to accept it and they're, they're, they can let go of, their, of the responsibility. And they can let the man take charge, and that's why t- being tied up, for instance, is very hard to a lot of women. Also, the being, you know, uh, the the punishment aspect is more about now I I, I am in, in 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 contact with an authority, or I'm in the presence of an authority, so I don't have to deal with this internal conflict, which is extremely painful to me. And anyway. I mean, women that are by themselves and are only surrounded by this by this. With this feminine essence, they're they're very much suffering all the time, because this conflict is not easy to deal with. I think men have no idea what it's like to be a woman and what it's what it feels like to be in this conflict all the time. You know, it's 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 fun to watch from the outside. It's oh, it's so enticing, it's so interesting. Why is she like that? Why is she? Like, wow, she looks so beautiful today. But being in that is different. It's a different story because you're constantly being pushed here, pulled there. It's, really, it's a really confusing existence, you know? And with that, you have all of these emotions, everything becomes emotionalized. So I don't, I don't claim to know what, what a woman is like, or I don't, I don't claim to understand what it's like to be a woman, obviously. But coming back to, to the point that you, that you tried to, uh, to get out of me earlier, why do I think that, that a lot of women like to be dominated in bed? It's because of that, because they want certainty. They want to feel that you can't take charge. They want to feel that they can let go because they have this incredible burden of having to choose the, the man that is worthy of, of fathering the next generation. That is a big deal. That's what nature has told them to do. You have to constantly test every man that you're in contact with. And women test you all the time, 24-7. They will never stop doing that, all the time. So you have to pass all of those tests. And, and, and if you dominate in one way or another, that just gives her a chance to breathe, essentially. She's free for those moments where you take charge and and take her. Besides that, all women have like the the fantasy of of, of really being taken, like not really having a choice. Like that guy just came around and he just I I I tried to resist, but he was was such an overwhelming force that I just couldn't help myself, you know? And uh, at the end of the day, it's about giving away responsibility and, you know, enjoying life i guess so that's my little rant about that topic you know very nuts that that didn't sound very sexual or pornographic right
0: no it almost made me cry it was really beautiful (laughs) yeah yeah because it's quite innocent in a lot of ways like that's just like a like a raw need and uh yeah you really articulated that well yeah 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 no that was an interesting way to explain it And it yeah that didn't it didn't feel sexual that was just like full of heart there
1: yeah because everything is sexual and uh, everything is physical and spiritual at the same time so there's a spiritual reason behind it you know no matter what it looks like you know there's uh yeah. there's nothing no no reason to feel guilty about that it's uh it's, 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 a, it's a desire to, dis, to dissolve and to be relieved from that internal struggle that women feel all the time. You know, women are suffering a lot. A, women suffer a lot more for the lack of masculine presence than, than the other way around. You know, For men, it's ma- men suffer mostly from the physical, basically like a, it's like, a, like an urge to, to unload, if that makes sense, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. But for women,
1: it's an emotional issue. It's a spiritual issue, you know? And uh, that's much harder to deal with. You
0: know. Yeah, it is. And then when it's not dealt with, it just has like really weird ways of expressing itself. How do you like? How does somebody even find that the healthy way? It's like there's, there's like a a drought. <laughs> um. A drought of what? I don't know. Of like. Mm, well, obviously,
1: and, it takes an above-average man to even understand this,
0: and yeah. Know-
1: Stuff, obviously so i understand this is not easy to find and i don't i'm not jealous of women at all when it comes to choosing the right partner because if i'm you know it takes um it's not it's not easy i'm sure you know because uh
0: i think i think it's more painful to be with someone who can't meet that need than it is to be alone it's lonelier to be yeah to, to not have that met Cause then you're, you you know, the feeling is like, you're kind of like trapped. It feels more, it feels like more of a prison when you can't have that. It's so it's, it becomes very like elusive. And then, you know, this need you have that you really want to be met, it's becomes more, like more of like a fantasy. And people think the only way they could get it is through reading like those books. And I guess that's why they're all so popular that's really sad like that's 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 not even sexy <laughs> like it's really sad that that's the representation of that need being met really
1: well I don't really know what how to, how to express what I'm going to say here but um sad 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 I don't I don't think it's sad it's essentially just It's part of the self-discovery. You know, sexuality is is not just physical. It has spiritual implications. It has psychological. And it's a a large part of of what we can use to transcend the ego in order to get in contact with something higher and the spiritual self. You know, that that would be like more of a a tantra interpretation of sexuality, right? But nothing exists without a reason, and everything has something to teach you, Mm -hmm. right? So spiritual fulfillment can... You know, can uh, what's the word? Uh, can be matched with sexual fulfillment, and then it reaches really, really high levels. But obviously, you need the right people for that, you know. That's uh, that's a thing. So, I don't know, man.
0: It is what it is.
1: Yeah, I think a big problem is that most people are disconnected, their instinctual natures get disconnected from the intellectual nature. They either this or that, so they're like this, this uh, um. Yeah, they're, like, uh, not integrated. I think that's the problem. You have to integrate man and animal in one. Or man and God, if that makes sense. Or God and and animal. You have Mm -hmm. to integrate stuff, because that's what we are. We're potential gods, but also an animal. And how do you find the balance between the two? And if you're actually serious about spirituality, you have to understand that everything is spiritual. Even the stuff that you don't want to look at, and even the stuff that, that is, like, Completely physical and maybe a little bit messy and, and dirty and all that stuff. And sex is definitely supposed to be messy and dirty and all that stuff. It's fucking sex. Wherever you look in nature, sex is actually a violent act. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of elements of violence connected to it. You know? Like there's no candlelight dinner. You know? <laughs> there's
0: um, no jazz music.
1: <laughs> and one, and one wolf takes another Wolverine or whatever the fuck that's called. Uh, he doesn't, take her, he doesn't take her out for dinner and, and, and buys her flowers, bro. That's not what's going on. And every woman out there deep down is an animal, just like every man deep down is an animal. And she has fantasies and urges that you would probably be shocked about if you're an average guy. Women are just as nasty and kinky as men are. For real, for real. So, it, but it takes the right guy to bring it out of her. Absolutely. I mean, there was this one time, oh, Jesus, man. I'm not going to tell you what, that, what was going on there, but there was this one time where I was taking this lady into, into like a little hypnosis. So, so we had had sex and then um, I took her into this, to this trance, this light trance. And I told her to, to conjure up all of, all of those, un, un uh, all of those sexual urges and these desires that she's never been allowed or never allowed herself to live out with anyone. And, um, you know, and now they're all coming up at once and all our cells are pulling up this energy and now it's, it's being released. And well, first she started squirting and then she, she opened her eyes and just, we did things I don't wanna, I don't wanna say here, but it was, it was phenomenal. So you, you gotta know how to bring it out of them too.
0: From hypnosis? Slight trance, yeah. Of course, her
1: subconscious is access of all of. Imagine, like this was a grown woman. She was like in her late twenties or something like that. Her entire life, ever since she had experienced sexuality, she had had urges that she didn't allow herself to live out. And I could bring that all out in one moment. That's a fucking explosion. Can you imagine? That is fucking mind blowing. You know, it was really good.
0: Hmm. Maybe that's your superpower. <laughs> I You're saying, uh, you know, people becoming gods, because <laughs> I, su- I, I don't think you know. I think it's sort of like some people are born and they're good artists. Some people are good singers. Like it, this is just like I think a, a part of who you are.
1: You sure, Robin? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: you but it, like. Do you think it's something like you talk about it? Like it's, it's like, it's your, it's, it's intuitive for you. I feel like you're able to like work with a woman or woman to help her like get to those levels the way that like, for myself, like I could just like read, uh, like I could use, read anything and use it as divination and connect to my abilities. Like, it's like, I have something I'm naturally really good at art. I could make anything look beautiful
1: you know i can actually divine through anything too i can do that too but um well maybe it is because when i was like in 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 canada you would call that high school over here was like middle right so (laughs) uh, i was actually writing these uh romantic erotic novels or not not novels but erotic stories and i would sell that to the girls in in class and and, you know uh, so i was always a little bit like my my fantasy was always a little bit kinky and the girls liked it so yeah
0: yeah um, i think it's 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 either you have it or you don't it's like it's like humor some people just aren't funny
1: yeah, yeah and i would trade a good sense of humor for this power anytime bro
0: <laughs> but you're still funny too actually your humor is like my favorite <laughs> That's
1: nice. thank you yeah. thank you
0: you're welcome yeah
1: Finally, a woman that doesn't just look, like me for my enormously—I uh, mean, for my amazing looks and, <laughs> and and charm. She actually likes my humor. That's great. Thank you.
0: You're welcome, Frank.
1: Just getting yeah. <laughs> hmm. So it sounds sorry. I gotta I gotta throw something out here. It sounds like I'm like like I'm fucking everything that moves. That's definitely not true. Okay. I'm very selective <laughs> when it comes to women, all right? Just to be clear. Just to be clear. Okay?
0: I didn't I didn't think you're fucking everything.
1: Just got to make sure that it doesn't that it doesn't come across like that.
0: <laughs> Clarified. Clear. Now we know. Thank you. I don't know what to say. I always can't think of things to say. <laughs> you, can your
1: applications. you can send your applications for uh, a session with the bronze dawn to grail of the serpent at gmx.de.
0: You can cure female hysteria.
1: You want to be taken to the greatest heights of sexual pleasure imaginable. I'm the guy.
0: You would actually probably make like a fuckload of money if you did that. <laughs> you could start your own like hotline <laughs> and just like dirty talk to women all day. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe there's another career waiting for me.
0: There might be. I, I think you'd be really good at it.
1: I, there we go. I mean, we got it from, right from the source. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sexual hypnosis. I don't know about that. That's interesting.
1: That was so, that was like that. That was a hands free orgasm. Like I told it, just squirted all over the bed. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing.
0: So it was like, Squirt pee.
1: No, as far as I know, it's like water that is like next to the bladder or whatever. I I don't really know where it comes from.
0: (laughs) I've heard so many different things about it. I'll stop. (laughs) Look at your face. (laughs) My face? Yeah, you looked... You know, I don't know. You're making it in your face. <laughs> you do. Know, I'm like, oh no, did I say something? Um, Let's go.
1: Okay. Squirting is messy. It really is messy.
0: Yeah, you need like waterproof bed sheets. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, being a woman is weird. Um. Mhm.
1: That's what you get, get for kicking us out of, out of heaven. But yeah,
0: I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> we get to squirt and have multiple orgasms.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, sexually, I, I think the female body is much more interesting than the male
0: body. Oh my gosh, yes. I. You know, sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, being a woman really sucks. But then I think about certain things. And I'm like, you know what? I think this is way better.
1: This or is... could it be that we just talk way more about the female body because obviously for female hormones are more important because they give birth, right? That's why it's been studied so much.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we just don't know what our male bodies can do.
0: He, yeah. Well, you know what they say about uh, men in their G-spot? <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. Around...
0: <laughs> you went there. I was like, I don't
1: know. But it's uh, around the prostate? Yeah. I have zero experiences with things in my butt. <laughs> it's also not going to happen.
0: I, I know. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I'll change the topic. You're uh, mentioning before we went weird. Um, what are you watching?
1: Some oh, shit on Instagram. Oh, man. Okay, what else do you want to talk about, lady?
0: Lady? Um, I don't Did you want to cut the, that that part? Um, we're talking about sexual stuff. About sexual stuff? I don't know. People are... We're start making... We do it like every time we talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a Scorpio thing, like you said. You know, I think that's just where our minds go naturally. You know,
0: I can't well, help I think, it.
1: I think everybody goes like, I, right? How does how how do you go through life and not think about sex or connect everything back to sex?
0: Well, exactly. Yeah, I enjoy talking about it. I think it's fun. Of course, it's and it and it interests me. Like, yeah, going into to all of it, I don't know your explanation of like why women like submission. Like, I'm actually gonna go back and listen to that again because that's like healing.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of women these days they feel like they're weak because of like if if they admit that they like that they they think they're weak or they're admitting a weakness or something like that. But it's a natural. it doesn't mean that women should be oppressed or whatever it just means that uh the dynamic between masculine and feminine energy has to be expressed in in, in the bedroom if it's not expressed in the bedroom there is zero zero sexual chemistry can you imagine a guy sitting next to you okay let me give you an example of a guy not expressing the masculine essence he's going to have his his legs crossed he's going to look like a like a like a pussy you know it's going to look like an accountant and treats you really nice and really friendly. Hey, is everything uh, okay? I
0: hate uh,
1: that. And then he's gonna listen to your uh, to to uh, feminist lecture with you, you know. And a lot of guys have that strategy. They think that's gonna land them a woman, but they, these guys are not in touch with their masculine assets. way the way to uh, to 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 make a woman uh, aroused is you gotta give her the opposite you know the tension and the energy can only flow between opposite poles so you got to be her opposite pole and most women are have, have more feminine essence there are women that have a lot of masculine essence in them
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they're usually attracted to more feminine men but yep. the overwhelming majority of all women are feminine they have feminine uh, energy just like most men have masculine energy you know you got to give them that energy it's like it's the same thing like like we crave feminine energy if you live in a household full of women you get excited if a real man steps into the house no
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's that's yeah it's the same when you're when you're when you have a lot of masculine energy you get excited with, with, with uh, feminine energy
0: well i hate to break it to you but that's a wrap sometimes when frank and i are recording we'll take a little break and if the energy of the conversation feels like it's like fizzling out then we'll just cap it wherever we feel called to. And um, that's kind of the unique flow we have going on. So I feel like this episode was packed full of wisdom. And I hope that you're able to take it and apply it to your life as you see fit. If you're looking to book a session with me. I offer psychic readings. I offer Reiki, psychic development. Click the link in the show notes and it'll take you to my link tree. You can check it all out. I'm going to put Frank's links in the show notes as well. He has some phenomenal courses that are available at Grill of the Serpent. You can even get uh, free subliminals, which I thought were pretty epic. So you should definitely check out Grail of the Serpent.com. And he has the School of Adepts right now. Um, they're still in the application process. So if working with Frank for a year-long course on sorcery and occultism feels resonant to you, check that out. Click the link in the show notes, and you can apply. And um, best of luck to you. I'm going to wrap it up here. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Alligator.